Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. From the Brawl Network. Oh, mama, I can hear you a-crying, you're so scared and all alone. This is the Steelers Brawl Podcast. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Here are your hosts, Andrew Zerko and Jacob Harrison. And I'd like to welcome you all into the second edition of the Steelers Brawl. I am again one of your hosts, Andrew Zerko. You can follow me on Twitter at SteelerC137, as well as following the Steelers Brawl. Um, my partner in crime tonight is Jacob. Jacob, let them know where they can find you. Hey guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Harrison. That's two J's and two N's. All right, well, I thought we got off to a pretty strong start last week, Jacob. Um, we were hoping to have a third co-host join us today, but there have been some technical difficulties there. So... Um, we're going to dive right into it. We didn't really have too much in the way of news, what with the Pro Bowl this weekend, but there was some news regarding everybody's former favorite Steelers wide receiver. At least I think so. Um, so, Jacob, did you hear anything about as far as this Antonio Brown case goes this weekend? Yeah, man, I'm 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 disappointed. You know, like when when that whole series was unfolding, you know, with his exit. I was, I was, I was in, I was one of those that would mock him, you know, like you're, you're kind of getting your just desserts. You're blaming this whole thing on Ben. We all know it's not Ben, it's you, you know, and I flipped the script, you know, and felt bad for being critical of Le'Veon Bell. But now we're in a situation where this dude's in handcuffs and wearing a suicide vest in court. Like I'm, I'm very torn because this guy should have been the greatest wide receiver to ever step foot on the field, and now we're here, and we don't we don't really have any explanation as to why we're here. Yeah, just an unprecedented fall from grace for Mr. Brown. Um, I was re- actually reading in a very interesting article because, as you said, we don't have a lot of answers as to why things took the turns that they did for uh, Antonio Brown, but. I did see um, a testimony from a former teammate of Antonio Brown's that the in 2016, the big hit that Vontez Burfitt put on him changed his personality drastically. So, And I think that was right around the time we started to see these changes in him. He was a hard worker coming out of college. So, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the idea of, while it certainly kind of does piece together, I don't like the idea of blaming this on CTE because we know probably, I don't know, 60, 70% of the league has CTE. Yeah. And, you know, they're not out 
out here doing these foolish things. I think that it does stem all the way back to when he was in college because I think there there's plenty enough evidence from his college days. There's plenty enough evidence from guys saying that he wasn't well-liked in the Steelers' locker room from day one, uh, that guys like Troy Polamalu did not get along with this guy and that he was the prima donna that he was even before his name became as big as it is. So I don't... I don't know that that speculating that CTE is what started it all. It may have been something that escalated it because the guy is not in his right mind. You know, he was at least controllable in his nine years in Pittsburgh, but now it's just it's off the, off the rails, and you know you you worry more for the person than you do for the player at this point. Yeah, and I don't want to put this all on CTE. I don't think any one call any one. Uh, link is going to be like, oh, that's 100% what did it. I think you're right. I think it's a myriad of different things coming into play. There's ego there. There's probably definitely some CTE there, but there's also being told what a great player you are tends to inflate that ego pretty quick. And people could not get enough of telling Antonio Brown how good he was. So I think that definitely contributed. I agree. Um, so last I, read, last I read about Mr. Brown here, he had turned himself into – the local PD after the warrant had been issued for his arrest. How much detail have you heard about the, uh, about what transpired, what, what the warrant was issued for? Um, I know it was something <clears throat> to the effect of somebody that was with him at his home was involved as well. And he was arrested right off the bat, but basically like there was a moving truck that brought his belongings he threw a rock at the, the trailer, uh, said that he wasn't going to pay for his belongings. The truck goes back, calls their superiors, gets it all sorted. He says, well, I'll pay for the my stuff, but I'm not paying for the damages. And then it just continues to escalate until the point where A.B. locks himself in his house for nearly a day uh, away from you know the police. And it's kind of where we're, where we're at now is you know him turning himself in a day later. Yeah, and that's similar. That's very similar to what I have heard. And this has not been his first interaction with the police recently. I know he had a dem- bit of a domestic issue as well that made it all over Twitter. So it seems as though things, even more so than they were before, are just going off the rails for Antonio Brown right now. Um, and again, like you said, I do feel for the human being there because you really worry about his mental state and what he might do to himself or somebody else. So hopefully he can get the help he needs. Anything else you want to touch on on the Antonio Brown case, Jacob, before we move on? No, I just, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to see him play in the NFL again, which is, I agree. which is sad because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said before, you know, this is a guy that had all the talent in the world, overcame every obstacle put, placed before him, had a good work ethic. You know, he had to because he wasn't given the same opportunities as other guys. And every time he touched the ball, it was, it was magical. He should should have went down as one of the greatest Steelers of all time, and you know things just kind of get get robbed from you. Yep, as a fan. Yeah, and it's you never like to see that. And the Steelers are so good at not having those types of players on the team and not having these kinds of breakdowns. So it's just so rare to see with this organization. Uh, moving on from that sad story. Um, just wanted to get into a little bit of news. Uh, not sure how much, again, you heard about this, but many a player 
and former teammate and former coach have come out in endorsement of Troy Polamalu making it as making it into the Hall of Fame on his first ballot. The big one I saw that I was very surprised by was Tom Brady actually came out with a statement on his behalf, which is not something I was expecting. Did you happen to see any of this? Yeah, I saw Tom Brady's. Uh, I, I didn't read all of it, but I did see his endorsement of it, and I think that's that's a credit to to Troy. I think I think Troy's name gets kind of overlooked sometimes, or at least I just feel like it because I'm a Steelers fan and I just don't see the same energy for him being a first ballot Hall of Famer as he very well should be uh, this time next week. Um, yep. But for for a guy like Tom who is arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, is a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. To endorse Troy Polamalu, uh, to, to mention that he was just such a game changer. Like, you know, we talk about great players all the time. You know, there, there's always going to be those guys that are just incredible playmakers. And, you know, without throwing somebody under the bus, you know, we know those guys that kind of just, to put it in a Madden rating t- terms, you know, those guys that just hover around 90 and, you know, you, you want them on your team, but you, you know that they're just, you know, they're a heavy price tag and they're reliable, but they don't make the, the splash impact plays that you need. Then there's those guys that have a 99 and they're consistently at 99. And anytime they make a play, it can completely alter the outcome of the game, no matter where they are on the field, what position they're playing or what's going on. Uh, how far behind they are, how how ahead they are, they can completely alter the outcome of a game, and that was Troy Polamalu in every sense. There was, I mean, I, I stand by what I said last week that I still think Ed Reed was the greatest overall safety of all time, but I mean, Troy Polamalu is is literally right under him uh, because Troy could make a play all over the field. There was nothing that could stop him. He had free reign in the defense. I mean, he really was a positionless player. Uh, you know, before that, that really became kind of the thing that it's starting to become now. Uh, you know, he was just as much of a linebacker as he was a strong safety, and and really we haven't seen anything like him since. And I think that's a testament to how great he is. Uh, yeah, and I'm inclined to agree with you there, Jacob. He was all over the field, like you said, making plays in the run, making plays in the pass, forcing turnovers, bad throws. Making, I think we said a little bit last week when we were talking about T.J. Watt and his amazing season this year, Troy made that defense better. He made that secondary better. He made that entire team better just by what he was able to do on that field. Not just from a purely playing safety, getting turnover standpoint, but just from a leadership standpoint even. So, yeah, I I, I said last week I think he should be in He should be in first. He's one of my favorite Steelers of all time. Um and I think all the endorsements coming through this week, I think, are going to be a, te- a good testament to him, and hopefully get him in. The other bit, of, the other bit of news uh, this coming out this weekend was that the Pro Bowl was this weekend. Now, I don't know about your feelings, Jacob, on the Pro Bowl itself. I personally find it to be pointless. But I just mentioned our boy T.J. Watt had a ni- made made a nice little play there in the uh, towards the end of the towards the end of the end of that Pro Bowl. Did you happen to see that? Yeah, I watched the the Pro Bowl, um, you know, sparingly. My eyes were kind of glued to Twitter uh, for most of the day Sunday. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, TJ had a, had an incredible game, I say, uh, with the 82-yard, you know, return for a touchdown included. Uh, Cam Hayward played out of his mind as well, and, you know, as much as you can in the Pro Bowl. Joe Hayden yeah. had an interception as well. Um, I'm not crazy about the Pro Bowl simply because it's not real football. 
And yeah, that's frustrating because it's it's these guys just really going out there and having fun, which is great and all. But at the same time, like we love football for the physicality, uh, for the determination, the 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 sheer competitive nature that you need to have in order to win a football game. And they're just going out there. You, you see Lamar Jackson just heaving balls into the end zone on a wing and a prayer, you know, throwing interceptions that he should have never thrown and laughing about it. Deshaun Watson did the same thing, you know, like, and it, it's just, it, it was just, it's always just such a weird environment. I think that there should be more importance pressed onto the skills challenges. If that, <laughs> you know, cause it, it can be similar to the dunk contest and all those things that go around the NBA all-star game. Uh, and you know the home run derby stuff like that. Like you can have these skill challenges that actually mean something, and are are you know good entertainment to watch and have incentive to be good at them because we saw Lamar Jackson didn't have any incentive to be good at the accuracy one. He, hmm. he scored like two points in three minutes. It was bizarre, but he has no incentive to care. So give these guys incentive to care, and I think it'd be a much more fun event. Yeah, and I wholeheartedly agree with the skills challenge assessment you had out there. I find those to be more fun. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because they're like almost like little mini games from Madden, but those right. are interesting to watch to me. The game itself doesn't do a whole lot for me, and I'm a firm believer in it's a really great chance to get a, get all your star players hurt. Yeah, so no, I agree. <laughs> anybody, anybody that says they want to bow out because they're either hurt or they don't want to get hurt, I fully support that. These, this is, these are these men's livelihoods here. And I don't think a little all-star game, when you use that term loosely, is worth getting hurt. You want to do skills challenges? You want to do some kooky stuff with that? Go for it. But keep the contact to a minimum once the season's done. Let's let these guys rest and relax. I think the game itself is a little pointless at this point. So, Well, even to that point, um, th- this is – you know, as I mentioned, I'm a student at the University of Alabama, and we had a really rough year with injuries on our mm-hmm. football team. One of the key injuries the team sustained was in a non-contact drill uh, where, you know, they were thudding up, you know, which is basically, you know, where you put your chest on them, you wrap up, and then you let them kind of go by. Uh, mm-hmm. Dylan Moses goes down, tears his ACL right before the season starts by doing that. And in the Pro Bowl, that's exactly what they're doing. You know, they're thudding up. And, mm-hmm. like, you think that that's safer, but there's still just so many things that can go wrong in these games. Guys diving for interceptions or or just trying to make just the, the slightest little move that's out of the ordinary for them that lacks the intensive physicality that they generally play with, it can really – you can put yourself in a weird situation. Now, thankfully, nobody got hurt in this year's Pro Bowl, uh, at least not any that you know we really know of. But playing at a slower speed and playing carefully can usually be the thing that gets you hurt. You know, we talk about that all the time with guys coming back from, from – you know, a serious injury, you know, if you go out there and you play scared and you, you play timid, that's how you get re you know, how you re injure yourself. The same applies playing in the pro bowl. Yeah. I tell you. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that assessment wholeheartedly. I, I just, yeah, I just don't see like, yeah, it gives us a little bit of football between that, between the championship games and the super bowl, super, but like I said, the game itself, I'd rather kind of see go by the wayside and go more towards like the skills challenges and stuff like that. Those are more entertaining, I feel like, and less risk for injury. Any other news you want to cover, Jacob, before we move on to the next uh, next segment? I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least touch on Kobe Bryant's 
passing Sunday. Ah, yes. Um, yes. Like I said, I, I, I watched the Pro Bowl, you know, very sparingly, you know, as I was getting ready to watch the Pro Bowl, just so happened to look and see somebody kind of saying, you know, that that they couldn't believe that Kobe Bryant was dead. And I was like, there's no way Kobe Bryant is is dead. Not in a helicopter crash, not when it's first reported by TMZ, but yeah, that was bizarre. But that's that's the reality we live in now, you know, like he he's he's really gone, one of the greatest basketball players of all time and you know, you and I and, and a few others were talking, you know, before the show that we aren't basketball guys at all. Like we're we're all 100% football guys. But even still and and I've said this on on the the show that I produce here in Tuscaloosa as well. Like I can maybe count the number of Kobe Bryant games I've actually watched on television from start to finish on with the two hands that I have. And still that doesn't take away from his impact in sports, his impact on people, his the the, the Mamba mentality is a very real thing. That that effort to push forward, always get better. It doesn't matter that you're at the top of your game. You can always find little things to, to improve upon. And, you know, and I know so many people that are huge Kobe Bryant fans and, you know, they were heavily affected and just scrolling. That's my timeline on Twitter all day Sunday and seeing how his death did impact people. And then when the news did finally hit that, that his daughter had passed away with him as well. You know, that, that hit me on a level cause I'm a father. I have three children. Uh, one of them is, is my daughter who is just like, she's everything to me. So, you know, I had to hug her a little bit tighter yesterday as well. And, you know, a lot of people are thankfully not a lot of people, but there are people out there that are continue that are trying to point to his past and saying, you know, well, he did these terrible things. Why should we praise him now? It's because 20 years later, he was a completely different person. He was an incredible, you know, you see the videos, you see the evidence that he was an incredible father. He was an incredible family person. He turned his life around and became a cultural icon, a successful businessman, and every and so much more off the court than than just a Hall of Fame player that, that won countless championships and MVPs and, and such. So I think you know, yesterday hit me in a weird way, but it, it put a lot of things into perspective for me, as I'm sure it did a lot of people, and Kobe Bryant will be sorely missed. Yeah, that perspective piece you mentioned there at the end is definitely the way it hit me. Um, as I said when we were chit-chatting when the news was first breaking, basketball is not my thing. It's not my sport. Give me football. Give me hockey. I can get behind those sports. But I think in every sport there are players that – end up transcending the game. And I know that term gets like thrown around a lot, but I think I firmly believe Kobe Bryant was one of them. I, like I said, I'm not a basketball guy. I can't sit there and watch an entire basketball game. It's just not my thing. But even I knew who Kobe Bryant was. Even I knew the great things he did both on and off the court. And unfortunately some not so great stuff, but yeah, like you said, he was, he was bigger than the sport of basketball was. He made, so much of a difference in that sport and outside of it. So, yeah, when I when I when you guys first broke the news to me, I don't have a whole lot of emotional attachment to Kobe Bryant personally, but I understand how significant it would be to somebody that did. How 
heavy that's going to weigh on the people in his life that were he was closest to and the people he had the greatest impact on. So, and I hate this phrase, but my thoughts and prayers do go out to his family. They suffered a terrible, terrible loss, not only Kobe, but also his daughter. So it's, it's extremely unfortunate. And I really do have nothing but sympathy for the family. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that he will be sorely missed. He was one of those special players. Anything else on Kobe Bryant before we move on? I think there's still, um, you know, we we do this podcast. It's a form of media. And uh, I, you know, I'll echo what I said again on the show I produce here in Tuscaloosa. Journalism took a serious hit yesterday. The Sunday, I should say. Uh, because nobody knew who to trust. Uh, you know, I didn't trust TMZ with the news. I didn't trust anybody with the news until Adrian Wojnarowski, you know, ESPN's lead NBA insider, said anything. That that includes Kobe's death. That includes his daughter's death. That includes the seven uh, people that were on the helicopter with them. You know, I didn't trust a word of it because there were so many people that were saying things. Uh, you know they broke the after the first commercial of the Pro Bowl. They cut to an ABC affiliate, and the guy that they're on the phone with, who's reporting everything, speculates that all four of Kobe's daughters are on the plane. So for an hour and a half, people were were worried and speculative that all four of his children were on that plane with him. Uh, you know, it's bad enough that that Gigi did actually pass away, um, but to have people worry for an hour and a half that uh, other precious young lives were taken as well. That's, that's really bad journalism. Uh, And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a great journalist myself, even as I'm just about to graduate from the university of Alabama. Um, But still I, and a lot of people that I know that are starting to emerge into this industry hold to the idea that accuracy is so much more important than, than speed, than being the first on the scene. And, you know, our, yeah, the pillars are to seek truth and report it, but there's this other one that says do no harm. And I think it's so much more important to ensure that you're doing no harm because what TMC did while yes, they, they are more credible now because they were on top of the story completely and they were the first one to it and they were accurate Kobe Bryant's wife learned all of this well before it was told to her by the authorities. And I, I applaud the, the sheriff's office there in, in California that, that scolded TMZ. And- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every other outlet for reporting that news before it was before it was ready to be, because that's 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 doing harm to the surviving family, and you know it, it's a very frustrating aspect of breaking into this industry. Uh, and it's going to be a very hard thing for you know our generation of journalists and media personalities to change, but it's it's something that needs to happen with the way the social media uh, age is. Sorry for my rant. It's just yesterday no, was, Sunday was right. just such a day where just a lot of things went wrong for a lot of things that I and other sports people care about, and it, it it's just rough. And I echo a lot of those same sentiments. Um, that's it's absolutely terrible that his family had to be playing that game along with us. Is this legitimate? Is this uh, somebody misreporting? Is it this or that or the third? It was absolutely terrible for them to have to find out that way. I mean, it's absolutely terrible for them to have to find out. Period. Never wish this on any, another human being. But I tend to agree with you as far as the journalism part goes. People are so concerned with being first, with being the first people to report it, regardless of whether the information they have is accurate or not. And it can be extremely harmful, especially to the friends and family members, the loved ones of possible victims. So, yeah, I tend to agree. And I would hope that we'll be able to make some changes as far as that stuff goes. Hopefully you via your career and I'll do whatever a little bit I can. But, yeah, I it's it's absolutely atrocious that it all went down the way it did. It was a terrible thing in the first place, but the way it was handled by a lot of the news outlets was absolutely just abhorrent. I cannot believe how quick because somebody had said TMZ was the first reporting. I'm like TMZ, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're not a legitimate news outlet. Celebrity gossip. So yeah, that was that was an unfortunate part to all that went down here. Not that it wasn't a tragedy to begin with, but it could have been handled significantly more professionally. All right, let's move on. Uh, I thought as far as questions for our day, questions for our day, we could just take a quick look at the other teams in the Steelers division, the AFC North. Um, specifically, uh, I wanted to start with the Ravens who had themselves a nice little season this year. Um, I personally believe Lamar Jackson is a bit overrated. But I think oh. the team made some strides in the right direction as far as as far as their improvement goes. What did you see out of the Ravens this year, Jacob? Uh, let me let me just start off. I don't know about you, but I hate the Ravens more than any other team in the NFL. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, like like in a respectful way. Like the, there there was times where I legit hated the Bengals. You know, but out of respect, I hate the Ravens. That said, the Ravens were the most fun team to watch in the NFL this year, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is just just painful to say. I mean, like their, their defense was—it wasn't like the Ray Lewis Ed Reed years, but it was it was solid. They were good, uh, but the mat the the marriage of Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson, and and the way the fact that Lamar Jackson had the season he had by throwing to tight ends and a five foot eight. 185 pound wide receiver that's a rookie from Oklahoma 
is just mind-boggling. Like, I want to say he's overrated, but I really can't believe that because he wasn't working with the same tools that other quarterbacks do, and yet he put up an incredible MVP-worthy season. And that, that's really rough because I didn't – I thought, especially after the Miami game, you know, like everybody's on the Lamar hype train. You know, he just threw for, what, five, six touchdowns against Miami. I'm like, guys, it's Miami. Hmm. You know, but he just continuously, you know, other than, you know, the Steelers game, you know, which was awesome. You know, he continuously just ripped teams to shreds, and it was really a marvel to watch, as as gut-wrenching as that is to say. No, yeah, I have the same feelings towards the Ravens. Hate them with every fiber of my being, but especially back in those, like, like you said, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed years, when those those games were just slobber knockers every time. You had to have some modicum of respect because they were two team, they were two franchises that were built very similarly. They were built to be strong defenses and hard nosed football and all of that good stuff. And yeah, I might hate playing them, but I can I can respect the the way they went about playing the game, especially back in those days. Um, and they still have that to they still have that to some point today. I can't stand the Ravens, but I can have a little bit of respect for them. Um, going back to what I said about Lamar being overrated, I don't think Lamar Jackson is a bad football player by any stretch of the imagination. He was definitely one of the best and, like you said, exciting to watch. My thing is I need to see, A, it strung together more than one season because it's so easy to have a great idea, a great scheme one season, but then teams get an offseason to watch film on it and it doesn't come back and work. Um, Look at Chip Kelly in Philadelphia trying to run that quick offense or whatever the heck he called that. Um, really great at Oregon, not so much in the NFL. Uh, so that's that's all I mean when I say I think Lamar Jackson is a little overrated. He's a great little ball player, but I just I couldn't get on the hype train as as heavily as some other people were. I think that's fair, but at the same time, uh, and this feels weird just defending a Ravens player, but his rookie yeah. season, although they didn't lose a game until the playoffs, he didn't play spectacularly like he did this year. So I think there was a real stride, though I do agree with you that, you know, teams will see the tape, you know, and, and you know, find a way to stop him in 2021. But I think he made improvements that say that he can overcome whatever defenses throw at him next year. And I, I think he he may be the, the long-term answer for as long as his body will hold him up. Uh, with his style of play in Baltimore for a long time. I'm really interested to see how he improves as a passer. I think that's always been his weakest part of the game, of his game. I think he looked better this season in certain flashes. But I also think the way they designed that offense around him was designed to limit limit him throwing basically non-high efficiency passes. He would either chuck a bomb or it would be some sort of check down, I feel like. But again, that could, he could show improvement from year two to year three now. So jury jury for me is still out on Lamar Jackson. But we'll we'll see what comes next season. We get to see him twice. Um, Hopefully, we see him twice. Hopefully, there's not a circumstance where we only get to see him once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, don't wouldn't wish ill on anybody, regardless of if they're a Raven or not. 
But, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see him twice. Maybe we'll catch him three times like we used to catch him all the time in those, back in those early 2000s. Absolutely. Um, all right. This is the team. This is the reason I wanted to put this section in here. The Cleveland Browns. I don't know how what the buzz around the Browns this off season, this past offseason was where you were at, Jacob, but people were swearing up and down. The Browns were not only going to beat the Steelers both times, they were going to win the AFC North and have a better record than the Steelers, the Ravens, or the Bengals. And I could not get enough of just laughing at that utterly ridiculous notion. What were you hearing this offseason about the Browns? Uh, aren't the Browns playing in the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> oh wait, that's right. No, look, I, I can't. I can only jest for so long because I did kind of get the feeling that they would make some sort of surge. I wasn't fully invested in saying that they'd win the division. I did think they would at least make the playoffs because I thought that it it takes time for a team that's completely built out of free agents. Like, that's why I love the Steelers, is because we just build through the draft. You know, we get the free agent every now and then to fill a hole, but we build through the draft. We create a family. You know, everybody is already comfortable with each other from the onset. Well, what the Browns did was bring in a bunch of free agent guys, a lot of guys that have egos, and tried to throw it out there and say, yeah, this is a Super Bowl-worthy team in a video game. You know, like the dream team for the Eagles, you know, like, yeah, you've got great players, but do you have a great team? And I think that's what the Browns fell into. I think, look, take nothing away. Like, I think Baker Mayfield is somebody that can be a really good quarterback in this league. Nick Chubb is a monster in the backfield. Odell is legit one of the best receivers in the NFL, as well as Jarvis Landry. They've got a they have great pieces on the offensive line, but their offensive line overall is pretty trash. Uh, and they've got defensive stars all over their defense. So, you know, including the helmet wielding miles Garrett, you know, like they, they still got great core pieces. They just have a terrible team. Uh, you know, Freddie kitchens an Alabama guy, you know, I feel kind of bad for him taking the, you know, he's now the tight ends coach in New York for the giants. If that tells you kind of his fall from grace, I kind of feel bad for him, but mm-hmm. that was a job that would be very difficult for the strongest of head coaches. I think maybe the only guy that could have pulled that one off was maybe Bill Belichick or, or Steve Carroll. Like I don't, that was a very tough job to be put into, especially in your first year. Uh, they've got pieces. They, they just don't have the, the picture on the box to go off of just yet. Gotcha. Yeah. I think you nailed it. I think this team coming into the offseason, you saw the big names, you saw your Odell's, your Chubbs, all these guys, they looked really, really tough on paper. But that doesn't always translate to the field. You don't always get, we have all these stars, we have all this talent. Is it going to gel when it comes down to game day? And I don't think the Browns ever fully found their stride. I think they had some flashes. I think they actually did show they can be competitive. They didn't collapse like I was thinking they would at the beginning of the season. We'll save that for the next team we talk about. But, um, but yeah, I think on paper they look really, really good and really, really dangerous and, like, they could be a contender. But they, it hasn't translated to the field consistently yet. So once that happens, we might revisit this conversation. Hopefully not. Hopefully the Browns will just do Cleveland Brown things. But, uh, 
Yeah, I, again, I think you nailed it, nailed it right on the head as far as what they did in the offseason and where that hype might have been a little misplaced. And last, certainly most least, um, we had the Cincinnati Bungles. Uh, so they managed to turn in one of the worst seasons I can remember from a team out of the AAC North, and that's saying something with the Browns there. Um, what did you see? Is there anything salvageable for this Bengals franchise, or is it nuke it and rebuild? Nuke it and rebuild, and you guys deserve it. <laughs> All that trash from Vontez Perfect and Adam Jones over the years and holding on to Marvin Lewis all this time, you guys deserve it. That being said, they're about to get Joe Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> man, the Steelers are going to be behind in the quarterback rooms in, in the AFC North. I mean, Joe Burrow, I don't know how much you saw Joe Burrow, but let me tell here in Alabama, I saw that man in, in, in person. He is the truth. He is he is incredible. Like he threw eighty percent completion percentage this year, guys. He threw for sixty touchdowns. He's really good, and he's going into Zach Taylor's offense, which is designed for him. Uh, it's going to take time, of course, for it to all come together. Yeah, they if they can't hold on to AJ Green or find the replacement for Tyler Eifert or shore up that offensive line then it's still going to be a minute before their offense becomes what it can be with Joe Burrow at the helm. Uh, their defense is trash. I mean, you, you can't even begin to – I don't know where you begin to start on that side of the ball. But <laughs> they deserve it. But in the end, they're they're going to come out kind of, you know, looking like winners when they draft Joe Burrow. Thankfully, it's not Tua. You know, the, the scenario that had to fall into place for Tua not to go to the Bengals – I hate it for Tua, but at least it's not Tua that I have to hate for the next 15 years. It's Joe Burrow, who I'm already accustomed to hating. <laughs> You're already prepared. <laughs> Got it. Um, I honestly, the Bengals are the nothing of this fran- of this division for me. Um, the Ravens have always, I feel like we've always butted heads since they came about. The Browns are old school Steelers rivals. I can't sit here and really pretend to give a crap about anything the Bengals do. <laughs> the, um, and I, I, I used the term on purpose when I said the Cincinnati Bungles, because I feel like they always find a way to screw it up. And I think that happened this year, although I have to give them kudos for finally moving on from the Red Rifle. I never thought that highly of Andy Dalton. I don't know why he was touted the way he was. But I think it's absolutely the right move to move on from him. I don't ever think he was going to be the one to get your get your team to the Super Bowl. I think Carson Palmer back in the day probably had a better shot um, until Von Ohoffen blew his knee. Um, but yeah, I agree. I agree with you that the Bengals. I mean, you could you could do worse than starting with Burrow, but I think that I definitely think it's it's rebuild time. I don't think they're going to be able to keep AJ Green. I think AJ Green wants to go somewhere and try to win try to win a championship. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him not in the Bengals colors next year. But if there's one benefit to all of this, it's that AJ Green will go somewhere else because he has been a Steeler killer his entire career. Yeah. Uh, but also like the the other downfall and one more thing to poke and prod at, at the Bengals about we lose the Andy Dalton line. You know that 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 number sixteen quarterback, the guy who's good enough on a good year to take you to the playoffs, but he ain't good enough to win you jack squat. We're we're losing that. Like he took he took over for Alex Smith, who turned out to be an incredible quarterback. You know, Andy Dalton went and 
went in the opposite direction and is now terrible, will not start again in the NFL, I don't think, unless there's an injury or some some sort. You know, so now we have to figure out who's going to take over in that role, and I'm excited to see who it is. Okay. Yeah, um, Andy Dalton ended up in Chicago, didn't he? Uh, has he been traded? I think so. I think I he... don't keep up with the Bengals. <laughs> oh, me either. That's why I had to ask and just couldn't tell you. <laughs> well, um, I feel bad for the Bears if that's the case. I certainly hope not. Yeah. Well, they're not. I, I just know from a couple of uh, friends of mine that the Bears aren't super thrilled with Trubisky right now. But well, whatever. Well, maybe we'll talk about that at some point. All right. So we just talked all of the all of the opponents: the Ravens, the Browns, the Bengals. If you had to call it, and it's way, way too early to call, but if you had to put a prediction together for how the Steelers' season shakes out next year, how do you think the Steelers finish in the AFC North? Mm. Well, I think you automatically get four wins in the division. Uh, I think that's by, of course, sweeping the Bengals and splitting with the Browns and the Ravens. Mm -hmm. But, man... Um, I don't without the the schedule. I don't know what other divisions we're playing. I don't know who we're playing in the NFC or who what AFC division we're playing. But if I had to guess, I think this defense is worth eight wins on its own. I think you know they proved that this year, and I think with Ben back and a healthy James Conner, I think that's worth. Ah, I want to be generous here. I think that's worth at least two wins. Because I think I still think that the offense is going to be handcuffed with with Randy Fickner as the offense coordinator. So I would say being being completely blind to who we even played next year, I think ten and six is probably the ceiling for the team. Gotcha. Uh, just so you're aware, it looks like we got the AFC South and the, at least two from the NFC East. We got the Eagles and the Giants. Oh wait, there's the Redskins. Okay. Yeah. So, we play, so yeah, we got the NFC East and the AFC South. So we play play the division of mediocrity, which means the Steelers would probably lose all four of those games. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad somebody. I'm so glad somebody from outside of Philly can can call can call that the division of mediocrity. <laughs> uh, um. So as far as predictions, as far as predictions go, I think you're spot on with the ten, with around ten wins. I think that especially that defense just came together so in such a special way down the stretch, down the stretch this season that I think that chemistry is there. I think, I think we said it in the last podcast. If Ben, once he starts throwing again, can really get some work in with that young wide receiver core. I think they have the talent to be pretty good and a a fresh James Conner all year would be, would be welcome. Uh, I would love to see, especially, I still believe in that O-line. I know they didn't have the greatest season this year, but I still believe in that O-line, especially with DeCastro and Pouncey anchor in the middle. I love watching DeCastro play. DeCastro is probably my favorite lineman. Um, but, yeah, I think 10 to 11 wins in a playoff berth is reasonable. I don't – of course I want them to win the Super Bowl every year, but it's not going to happen. I don't know how deep a playoff run they make. It depends on how they come together as a team during the season. If they can really gel and the offense is not carrying the defense and vice versa, then maybe the talent's definitely there. But I don't, um, I don't necessarily see them winning at all. But I see them, I see them putting up a good fight. So we'll have to sit across that bridge when we get there. There's still a lot of off season to talk about. 
Uh, there's the draft. We got a whole bunch of variables before we even get to the first preseason game. Yeah, so that kind of wraps up our AFC North discussion. Anything else you want to touch on before we uh, get to closing it out here? One more obligatory. The Bengals suck. <laughs> <laughs> Understatement of the century. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not happy to see. I'm not unhappy to see them in a bit of uh, disrepair right now. They can spend a few. They can spend the better part of the next decade rebuilding. For all I care. Well, Steeler Nation, thank you so much for joining me and my co-host Jacob. My name again is Andrew Zerko. You can follow me at SteelerC137 on Twitter. And Jacob, where can they find you? You can follow me at Jacob Harrison, 2J's 2Ns. Can I just say uh, that during the week I realized what your Twitter handle was, and I am ashamed (laughs) that it took me a week and a half to figure that out. Incredible use of handling, my friend. Uh, I'm I'm quite jealous of your Twitter handle. I am quite thrilled that it just wasn't taken. Um, No, uh, just... Love that love that show as well as the Steelers, so I figured combine them, why not? Um, all right, audience, Steelers Brawl. We would also like to encourage you on our Twitter on our Twitter page, please send in any questions that you can think of that you'd like to hear me and Jacob discuss. Anything from off-season questions, how reactions to something that happened in the season, anything that can cross your mind Steeler related, we'd be happy to sit here and discuss. So, until next time, Jacob, thank you for joining me again. We will get together next week and put another one of these together. Hey, don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button and the follow button as well, guys. Here we go, Steelers. It's only a few months out. Here we go, Steelers. All right. Thanks for joining us. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.